Dear Broadies, before I get to the episode, I want to take a moment to address the June 24th, 2022 Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion in the United States. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety, and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions in this country. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans and people who live in America. Learn more by visiting choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co. If you're able to support others, please consider donating to abortion funds. You can find a list of where to donate in each state at donationsforabortion.com. That's donations, the number four, abortion.com. I have personally started donating to states where trigger laws go into effect immediately. Remember, even if you can only spend $1 or $5, that helps. There are things we can do to fight this, and it is going to take continued focus and community support. So I encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. Money is safety, and money is like freedom a lot of the times. And it's not... Like it's, there's nothing wrong with wanting those things because we have also created a society where you need those things. Like my life has always improved the better my finances have gotten. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pod Broads. This is a podcast about women in podcasting, and I'm your host, Alexandra Cole. Welcome back, my dear broadies, and welcome back to me feeling a little bit like Gretchen Wiener is trying to make Fetch happen, but I'm committed and I really think it will. So I hope you enjoyed the little mental health breather last week, a snapshot episode, if you will, and that you went back and listened to some of the catalog of old Podrods episodes, which are totally perfect for this month, Mental Health Awareness Month. I missed you all in terms of being with you with another person in the other chair. And I'm stoked to be back with Cindy Okereke this week, the founder of Essence of Sin, a podcast marketing company she founded in April 2019, and whose site rebrand and launch will officially be dropping a week from today on the 19th. So keep a lookout. Now, this episode is recorded on Zoom, one track, because one of the local files didn't end up working, and I say that so that you are prepared for the slightly different quality of sound you may be used to at this point on this podcast, but also to say that it really captured how much joy I was experiencing throughout this conversation, because I didn't have two tracks to slightly edit the amount of laughing that I tend to do, not laughing, giggling I tend to do during my interviews. I feel like I'm a little bit of a broken record at this point, but Cindy is just another perfect example of someone I met in the Twitter sphere and then eventually got to talk to virtually in person and was just loving every minute of it. And because both of our sides were captured in tandem, it also made me realize how much I really do just smile and laugh along with my guests. And sometimes it isn't because they are saying anything necessarily funny. It's just that I feel so much joy hearing them share their stories in whatever way feels authentic to them and that I get to be the one that they are sharing with. So just 
prepare yourself for the pure unfiltered joy that you're going to get in this episode. It, It just makes me fucking happy. And you'll definitely hear that in our chat together. She and I are just so aligned in our belief system in terms of how we approach our work and how we want to connect with people. And I'm especially excited for you all to hear Cindy talk about the way that she found herself in this entrepreneurial role and the candor in which she shares her story with. We get into how she went from book publishing to law school to working with podcasts like Strong Black Lead and Therapy for Black Girls. But pretty soon into our conversation, which you'll hear in a moment, we first talk about what makes an NYC subway platform perfect for a personal and professional epiphany, how a month-long pilgrimage helped her find her way to building her company, and why soft skills and remembering that we are all humans is essential in the work that she does. Truly, this episode is a masterclass in how to network and produce but with empathy. And Cindy has definitely been one of those people, especially in listening back to this episode while I was editing, that keeps me centered in the way I approach my own PR and production work. And I just know you are all going to get so much from it. So without further ado, here is me immediately giggling as I say hello to Cindy. Well, Cindy, I'm so excited to have you here. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm super excited to be here. <laughs> I feel like this has like been a long time coming a little bit. I can't, I don't know, maybe you remember, but I know we got connected on Twitter, but I don't have like the exact inception I point. So. I, yeah. I have no idea. And then it was like, and then I found you on Instagram and then it was like yeah. Clubhouse and then it was, I guess, email is like the most recent, recent, Yeah, but it's been great to see you in like my universe and ecosystem. You're always just like a really positive light. So I'm just excited to support and be here. And Yay. I love, I love the internet for that. And that's, I know. that's probably why I got into social. <laughs> I know. Have you, um, do you feel like you've made now like a bunch of connections that are people that you chat with, not like super regularly, but that you would count as like semi friends to friends? Yeah. Um, I am very much an internet friends person. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't think it's weird to meet people online. I don't think it's honestly, some of the friends that I've had some really deep and meaningful like connections with, I have, I've only met them a few times in yeah. like real life. Like I, I remember like I was in this like, um, group me once, mm-hmm. once upon a time, probably around like <laughs> 2014 ish, give or take. And those, that set of people truly, I feel like changed my life. And so Mm. they gave me community like that I was missing where I actually was physically located. Mm -hmm. And some of those people like are, they're still like my best friends. And I still like call them or text them or like we have all of these like meaningful memories and like connections and most of it started with like just simple like in like a giant group of strangers essentially so yeah yeah I feel the same I especially this last year but just with everything with like Potterland and podcasting in general but I'm starting to get to meet 
people through doing this podcast like in real time and it's really exciting and you're definitely one of those people I remember you um when I was sick like I think a few months ago now and I was like nervous it was COVID you hit me up on like Twitter DM and you're like I hope you're doing okay and I was like this is so nice I really appreciated it um okay (laughs) yeah okay so for my listeners who don't know you yet let's take a pause and just let you introduce yourself who you are outside of your work and then who you are in terms of the work that you're doing. Yeah. Um, I am honestly very bad at this question. This I feel you. Honest, like, <laughs> who am I? Uh, so in terms of career, I am a podcast producer, podcast marketer, um, creative mm-hmm. spirit. Um, I think I infuse a little bit of myself into all the different things that I find interest in. Um, and so then personally, like who I am is just like someone with a really empathetic heart, like mm-hmm. someone who just has endless curiosity. Um, I see the value in a lot of things and I, and I find so many things precious. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just love to nurture and grow things and just be of service. And I think those are kind of the core things that pull me into what it is that I do. Because mm-hmm. ultimately, in terms of um, just being in the media space, like I, I've always known that I've wanted to work in, in media in some capacity. Like I'm just a storyteller. And mm-hmm. if you ask my parents, like I was always telling stories, whether real or fictional. Um <laughs> And by fictional, straight up lies. Um, But they were really creative and they were really beautiful and they were quite entertaining. And so I think they, they, they saw that spark in me and they like nurtured the me loving books, like buying me endless, like amounts of books when honestly, sometimes we didn't have like extra money for like toys and stuff, but Mm -hmm. they would figure out a way to like make a book happen for me. And so I love story and I love all the different ways that you can tell a story. And mm-hmm. so I think that's how I've just like blossomed and like found my way into this universe of being able to create like mixed media, multimedia art. Yeah. I love that. I, I always like asking that question, even though when I'm on the receiving end, I'm like, how do I answer this question? So I totally identify with it. But I, you know, everyone comes up with such a different response and way of answering it, which I think is indicative of like who we are in that moment on that day. Um, So I I love that. It changes. It changes. Yes, it, it definitely does. So I'm definitely going to be asking you all about your company and the work that you've been doing podcast wise. But I actually want to bring it back a little bit in time about a specific night where you were drunk on a New York City subway with your friend and you told her that you wanted to start a digital media marketing company. And I want to know where like where were you mentally in that moment what were you doing professionally in that moment and also why were you so afraid in that moment that alcohol was the only way to bring it out okay (laughs) so many things to that and it's like (laughs) oh it's oh that's such a good question because it so perfectly captures um (laughs) so much of of me I guess so in terms of that desire, right? Mm-hmm. I had the initial thought and it was just a small thought. And this is something that I've realized about myself 
things often start as like this passing thought in my brain, just like a tiny one. And it's, and it has a certain tone. Mm -hmm. And so now I know that like when it has that tone, that tone is truth. But at the time I was just like, okay, cool. And in terms of where I was, I, I believe this is probably when I worked in book publishing and I was a publicity assistant. I was working at like a mid-sized publisher. Um, I was like responsible for like reprints and like small, like small trade, I think. I don't, I don't remember the term. You know better than me. (laughs) So I was like, someone let me know, like, you know, just take me on social and tell me what I was actually in charge of. Um, And I, I, I went that direction because I majored in English and creative writing. And so it's like, obviously this love of books forever. So I was like, let me, I'm going to be where the people make books and like they, they, they position and sell books. Like I want that. Right. I want to understand that. Yeah. Now, fast forward, I actually have the job and I'm realizing that things are still very like traditional and like siloed. Um, this was like 2012, 2013. And I, I always had this desire to connect across departments. Right. So, and I attribute this a lot to my success is because I'm always, I'm never just thinking in the one place. I'm always thinking like how all the little things connect, like everything is a web for me. Everything has patterns. Everything has like connections for real. Like when I see them. Mm-hmm. And so at the time I was strictly like, publicity. So that's like sending galleys out. That's like, you know, talking to different like editors, like, um, like book reviewers, trying to get them to care about this new book that's coming out or this, like, why should you talk about this reprint or like things like that. But then on the other side, there was like the marketing and sales department and they had an entirely different like approach and thought process. I would always kind of just like make my way over there and talk to like the other like marketing assistants. Like I was only mostly talking to entry level people, but like (laughs) asking them, what's your prop like process? Like how does this work over here? Like thinking about sales, like how many books ultimately are we trying to get like in each location? Because I'm putting together book tours and I'm like, Mm -hmm. you know, putting together their like itineraries and stuff. So it's like, at some point, does it make sense for this author to go here like they yeah they went there last year but like if every single time they go there they're only selling like five books mm-hmm. like the bookstore may have purchased a bunch but yeah. like that might not be their market right yeah and so I'm I'm just thinking these things but I don't know if my boss was but <laughs> it didn't seem that way um when I would like ask the questions and right. then on the other end of it like and I don't know how they feel currently, but there was always this divide between like digital publishing. So like Kindle, ebook, e-reader, that Mm. sort of thing. And like the physical copies of the book. And so that department was in like its own different place, which kind of was like near IT, obviously, because technology and stuff. Right. And so I like made my way over there and like (laughs) asked them about like different things that they do and like how do certain things work? And that was always the most fun for me is like okay. thinking about how what I do can be the most useful to like other like areas of the business because ultimately 
like everybody wants to succeed. Right. Yeah. And so like that, like knowing those two things and the different, I don't know, ways that they're approaching like these book titles, like I was able to, when I pitched a title one, like one of my best placements ever <laughs> at, at the time was with O Magazine and I got them to print the introduction, uh, not print, but like digitally published yeah. and make available for download, like the Dope. first, like the intro and the first chapter of a book. And so that was in like a, and then after, like, once you get it, now there's an option for you to buy the, the ebook. Oh, cool. But the, then there's also like an option for you to get like a physical copy. And so like mm-hmm. that was done, like via like giveaways and stuff. And then I also got my author to like, get more into like social media and like Twitter at the time. And, <laughs> and my boss was like, how? Because I think, because at the time, I think like that particular editor didn't really, wasn't always very responsive. And okay. it was like a cold email that I had like customized because I really thought about like what it is that, like why this would be a really great piece for potentially anything upcoming and yeah. it like fits their the ethos of like what O magazine does and did at the time. And so I was like super excited about it. And I'm yeah. like, oh, this is awesome. Hell yeah. Um and so I I had that spark, but at the same time I didn't really see a lot of growth for myself within okay. the company, like ultimately. And so I was like looking for more challenge and just like to be able to do more of that like fun and innovative stuff. Um mm-hmm. Because at the time we were still mostly just sending out galleys and <laughs> and like yeah, so that wasn't for me. Um, but then in terms of like telling my friends that this right. is what I wanted, yes, which is the original question you had. Um, it's all a part of it. <laughs> yeah, like it is. It's all a master plan. Doesn't doesn't always make sense until it happens, but in yeah. my head, I got it. <laughs> so I think the reason that it was in the subway like I'm sure it was one where it's like I've had this thought like a lot right and I usually at the time I was by myself so it's like usually that thought would like the first time that thought crossed my mind I was commuting into work yeah and it was and it was one of those things where I was like I had already started to recognize that I don't love like the direction my like life and career is going here. Yeah. But so that like thought was there. And so I'm like, but I need to still build the experience and like understand this like media landscape. Yeah. And so I think like the reason that like I said it when I was drunk is just because like, that's like one of those times when you're really vulnerable. Yeah. And this is like one of my best friends, like still is. And like at the time I was still coming off of like college, which was like, I... I was very much the party girl in college and (laughs) I, I like drank a lot. I went out a lot. I was everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Yeah. And (laughs) yeah. And so I think it was like still kind of that, like the remnants of that, like making its way in because like those often were the times when I felt the most comfortable being vulnerable. Cause it's like, it's been a journey to like, vulnerability for me definitely just because like I am a very I'm a private person ironically and what that means is that 
I, there are things that I, I honestly, they're, they're my business. And I just like, just like keep them close. Yeah. But that doesn't stop me from being able to like relate and to connect to people. Yeah. And like offer myself because I, I, I've always been like, I'm a very expansive person. And so it's like, I'm multifaceted. And Mm -hmm. so I also understand that there are certain, there are friends who like know a certain version of yourself. It's still your true self, but it's, it's what they've brought to the table that allows like for that relationship to foster. Right. So it's like, so I say all that to say that it takes a while for that, like through intimacy to build for me. But like in my like party girl time and stuff, it was just kind of like, oh, sure, whatever. Right. And on the other end of it, the other person often in that setting was in a like a we were mutually being vulnerable. So yeah. I think it's like we had come from a night out and it's like that night out, you're like on your way to get pizza and like mm-hmm. you're just thinking about life and, and all yeah. these different things. And then you're just like talking about everything and also nothing at the same time. Um, <laughs> and I think it was literally physically being in the space of the subway and this yeah. time having another person who knew me, like knew me well and mm-hmm. knew me personally, that it also felt safe to take a dr- like a dream that just felt really far and really large and for them to like hold that in like full seriousness because I think that's a lot of times why we don't share our aspirations and we don't share our dreams and stuff like that and going back to me being like a super sensitive person like (laughs) damn near everything hurts my feelings (laughs) (laughs) and that is fine everything makes me cry um and (laughs) and I I struggled with that for a long time because I was just like like there's no way you can move through the world and every single thing and every single interaction makes you want to cry whether those are happy tears sad tears mad tears like there's right. all tears and you look insane so I think it was just that yeah. kind of getting comfortable with that but it was one of those things where when it when it's something that feels like really precious and I'm mm-hmm. like I don't need anyone else to crush it like mm-hmm. I just keep it yeah and I wait I wait for the right person. I wait for the right environment, the right feeling yeah, and energy to like allow me to like open up that like little yeah. curl box. Yeah, say, for sure. <laughs> I love that you bring up the piece about the subway platform because I think, you know, as someone who lives in New York and also specifically lived in New York through my early twenties. And when Mm -hmm. I was getting shit faced across the city as well, you know, like just like that vibe of like early, early twenties, just like living your life not having like existential dread fully coming in, even though you're, you know, all of the things that you need to deal with as a human are starting to like emerge. There is that feeling of just like coming home late. You're probably going to have to wait for a train And so much happens on the platform. Like I've definitely had many tears on a platform, like romantic moments, skeezy moments, like just like all, it's just like a perfect space for that. It really is. You lose time. You like, uh, your phone doesn't fully work Mm -hmm. and you're not sure if you're going to get home. Like at that moment in time, you're like, this is, this is it. Like I live on this subway 
platform. Like, how long has it been? It's been five minutes, but like, it's been three hours. Um, <laughs> oh man. And so I, I fully, I fully relate and like, yeah. fully believe that. And like a lot of, like a lot of subway time is like quiet time and it, it is, and it's like by yourself and you're trying to to pull so much of your energy inward that yeah. ultimately like you start thinking about like all these different things. For sure. So then after you had kind of had that out loud identifying moment, like, all right, this is what I want to do. I guess after you made that declaration in a sense, what steps did you start to take to get to the point where you could even start like f- flirting with the idea of like going full force into starting this company? So I think that there were a lot of interim steps that like may not have made all of the sense, right? Okay. So I leave publishing. Yeah. I go to law school. Oh. I need, like, I need a career that like makes me more money and like (laughs) feels I don't know. I, I don't even know. I think I honestly went to law school because I was like, I don't like it here. And yeah. this, maybe this is less worth. So then from there, I literally am only there for a semester because I was just <laughs> like, what am I doing? Um, and then I, I left there and I just, I was like, I'm going to work at Lululemon. And so I was like folding <laughs> pants yes. uh, at my big age and I was folding pants. Wait, how old were you at this point? So... What is this? I think I was just, uh, yeah, I was just about to turn 24. I mean, like, it's totally fine, but it's one of those things where I, after I graduated college, I didn't have a job. Um, kind of what happens often when you major in, like, creative writing um, <laughs> with a minor in linguistics. And I mean, you have a bunch of soft skills, and people aren't really sure what to do with that on a resume because, like, what is your work experience? Right. I was like, which is so frustrating, though, because yeah. those two things are so instrumental to everything. Honestly, they have been super valuable for me. So it's like, I'm not mad at it. It's right. just, it's obviously frustrating when yes. you like, first graduate. Oh, for sure. Like now you're you're back home and you're you're back in these like spaces and you're like, not like this doesn't make sense because like I did all the things I, I like did all the things that you told me I needed to do. Yeah. And I think that's also part of like some of the frustration that so many people are experiencing now too. And that's how I ended up in book publishing because I was like, what else am I supposed to do with an English right. degree? Because like they see it and they're like, yeah, that makes sense. I like know. come work with us with books. And so, yeah. And so like, honestly, then it was like, I went to law school for a hot second because again, on paper, <laughs> that's what you qualify for. I right. did get on the test. Somewhere in the process, like, because I'm very much a person who just like takes in wherever I, I am and I uh-huh. just like start to notice things. And in talking to a lot of people and like doing these kind of like visualization exercises that they often do with you at law school, it's like picture your life as a lawyer. And I'm just like, okay, I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to try and visualize what this is. And nowhere, like if you were to, if you were to plug into my brain and see the picture that was being generated, you would be like, that is indistinguishable from anything. Like, it was generally like a high rise and there mm-hmm. were big windows. Like <laughs> I was dressed nice, but not necessarily like a lawyer. There was right. like, a big table and I was like giving a presentation and 
that's it. Like it literally, that was always the visualization. So I was like, is that corporate law? Like what is, like, what am I visualizing? Um, because the original intent for me to go to law school was because I also felt really passionately about like intellectual property and copyright. And so I was mm. like, I'm going to be an IP lawyer. Cool. Like that's really what I want to do. Yeah. And so then I was like, well, I could be an advocate for creatives and like help without this degree. And so then it was like, I was talking to people who were like, I've always wanted to be a lawyer. Like, oh, like this is like what my dad does. And like, I really love it. And da, da, da. And I was just like, mm, that's cool. Um, I, I'm like, I hate it here. We're always in the library. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but I'm just like, I just want to go outside. Like, I just... I want to see my family. I don't, this is annoying. And, and so oh, I eventually quietly left. Like it was one of those things where I like took my, I took my like finals for that semester. Yeah. And I was just like, they were like, okay, like, see, like what, like, let me know what class to teach you for next semester. And it's like, oh, totally. No. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to be back here. And I didn't even, like, I didn't oh. even tell my dad I quit. And like, really? I was, li- I was living at home to save oh, money. So I was commuting. Okay. And so like, I didn't tell my dad I quit. And I, I maybe just like casually tossed the sentence out to my mom at some point, but it was like, maybe, maybe like a month and a half. It was in February when my dad was like, should you be back? Like should winter break people? Was he, was he like pretty set on that route for you like how would you say your parents um how would you say they fall in terms of like parents who really stick to the idea of like what is quote unquote like a stable path because that's very much like where I come from oh yeah I come from that listen I am I'm the (laughs) firstborn daughter of a Nigerian immigrant family so my options were Doctor, lawyer, oh damn, yeah, engineer, pharmacist. <laughs> I think those were it, kind of, and yeah. So the, that was really it, and like full expectations that you're going to finish high school, you're gonna finish college, and right. where is your like upper level grad degree? Like, what is? I honestly, and so <laughs> and so like, I. That's why. That's also why I feel like he was fine with pay, like helping pay for me to like get a degree in English and creative writing because it was like, okay, so you're gonna be a lawyer. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, <laughs> I distinctly remember going to some like um, lecture or something. Like a lawyer came to speak to us for some reason in yeah. whatever club or situation that I was in. In high and school? I, no, in college. In college. And okay. I remember. I think it was my sophomore year because I had to declare a major and I had to to d- like decide what that was. Yeah. And I pinged around between a bunch of different things trying to like make something that seemed like I was going to go out into the real world and be an adult instead Quote, of unquote. like yeah. someone sitting in the quad writing poetry because my creative <laughs> writing concentration was nonfiction and poetry. Oh, so wow. it's like, mm, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Um, like really, what are you doing? Uh, and so I, I also remember once again, that little voice of full truth, it was mm. just like, you're not going to be a lawyer. Like, like 
I literally said, I'm not going to be a lawyer. And so it was like really ironic when you fast forward and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I was like, I, I need to listen to her more. Like that, that little mm-hmm. person that's back there, the little like. What um, is her tone? Because you mentioned her, she has a specific tone. What does she sound like when she comes into her your head? Tone, her tone feels clear. Mm. And it feels there. It's not necessarily like a booming voice with like bass in it. It's not necessarily this like this like authoritarian be like, this is what you're going to do. It's more so delivered in the the clearest way. It's like I, 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 I liken it to a gently, a gently enforced mm-hmm. firm boundary. Mm. Okay. So it's like it's delivered in a way that's just like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> like, it's just like a very just yeah simple, like you, you can't read too much into it. You know, you just know that it's like coming from this place. Yeah. It's just honest. And so I think we, we take in all of these things and all of these opinions and these ideas from other people. Mm-hmm. And that voice starts to get like crowded out because it doesn't yell and it doesn't scream at us and it doesn't demand anything of us. It yeah. just is for me sitting in that lecture. <laughs> it sounded like, but yeah. somehow I forgot mm-hmm. because I was just like, I need, I need to not be this poor. <laughs> and so I need true. to not, And I need to not feel like what I'm doing is just like part of this hamster wheel. And like, I have no type of like game plan for upward mobility or, or like anything. Right. And so it's like, I just, I was like, I feel stifled. And so like, how do I get to a place that a people take me more seriously and like where I can potentially make more money because money is safety and money is like freedom a lot of the times. And it's not like, it's, there's nothing wrong with wanting those things because we have also created a society where you need those things. Like my life has always improved the better my finances have gotten. And it's, I mean, it's taken forever, like, and (laughs) it's still not there. (laughs) Yeah. It is. I'm, I'm like closer still. Yeah. And yeah, it's better than being in like dangerous situations because you're just like, well, I'm broke. And so I guess. Exactly. Like I just kind of have it. to do this. Exactly. Gotta, gotta, uh, gotta just like <laughs> walk by myself down this alley. Like it's fine. Instead of like take a taxi. Yep. 100%. Yeah. Um, I've definitely done that. And I look back and I'm like, you should have just paid for the thing. Hey friends, just a brief pause from this conversation so I can tell you about The Wave Podcasting. The Wave is a company that helps women grow their podcasts so they can build an audience and get paid. They offer educational resources and a digital community of which I am a part of and have gotten to meet some pretty dope women and get some great tips along the way. Plus, the founder, Lauren Popish, is a huge reason I've been able to start this podcast. She helped me find the perfect recording equipment for my setup and just get really comfortable with jumping in for the first time. And here's what's cool. They have a free mini guide that will help you kickstart your podcast growth strategy that you can download today by going to the show notes to find the link to their website. And when you're ready, you can purchase a complete guide to podcasting and use my code PODRALAND, P-O-D-D-R-A-L-A-N-D-10 to get 10% off the total cost. So ladies, come podcast. So let's 
chat about the initial forming of essence of sin and then um just like a few words on like what that fully is and what that encompasses so people can know yeah so the initial forming of it was the product of finally listening and seeing like all of the patterns what like honestly i i i like claim fully and own fully that i am an accidental entrepreneur in that way <laughs> like i have been collecting skills throughout the throughout my years and it all makes sense and like if we were to go back and stitch it together we could yep. make this beautiful story right mm-hmm. but honestly how this started was i was let go and <laughs> That was it. Like I, I got what I thought was like my dream job. Like I wanted to do marketing and like brand, like support for a network of shows. Right. And I was doing that. Like, and I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, this is gonna be amazing. But like, it like didn't click the way that it should have or Mm -hmm. was supposed to. But maybe that, but it, I think that was on purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Because I was only there for like four months and then there were like um, restructurings and like purchases because it was also a small like startup tech company. So it's okay. like things all, all move. Yeah. Um, and so then after that, I was just like, I'm just going to take April to go to Houston, which is where one of my best friends from college lives. Then go to her wedding the following like weekend. Another friend who was in the wedding with me was like, hey, like, I mean, if you want to drive back with me to to, like Brooklyn, I was like, sure, why not? So I just like went, did that and like was in New York for like two weeks. And in that time, like, I just wanted to reconnect and see all of like my friends and my people because like when I moved out to LA, I, (laughs) I moved here basically with no money and if it wasn't for my sister who is still my like ride or die out here like we have tackled the city in a partnership god bless her oh because she like she has a more like a more traditional career path and 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 life in that way so um i'm her broke big sister and that's fine (laughs) i love it so much and so so the reason I was like, like, I, I say, I wanted to mention that because I haven't had this, like the opportunity to come back and visit as much as I wanted to. Mm. And so now that I was here for an extended amount of time and yeah. being as completely carefree, I was like, you don't know how you're going to make money. And like, who cares? And I was like, okay, like, I truly was like, you're already in some credit card debt. Like there's some room on your card, just like do your thing. <laughs> and so I like came back up to up here to like reconnect with home. And yeah. like when I say home, I just mean my people. Yeah. And like my people like expand and are scattered everywhere because like as much as I I want to be like tied to land, like mm-hmm. ultimately I also realize that there's there's so much home in like the people that I know. Yeah. And them knowing yeah. me and reminding me about the the different parts of me that they they also find precious and cherish and yeah. and things like that um ironically in this 
this like month of April that I was home, literally mm-hmm. like maybe the month or two before my parents had moved down to North Carolina. So oh. I like, like, go to my childhood home. Right. Um, <laughs> so I just That's spent so it all tough. in New York. <laughs> yeah. And so then at the end of that, that portion of the trip, I just like went down to North Carolina. Like all these things were like little one-way trips or like little, like just put it together. But it was just very rejuvenating for me. I had intent with my plan and I was like, wherever I land, I was like, I'm also perfectly fine with like working like odd jobs, like working in retail, like Mm -hmm. being scrappy and hungry in that way. But at the same time, like doing it in the most like strategic way for myself as possible. So my, my company was officially birthed, I would say, um, like May. So like okay. it had its like little like incubator period in April. So that's what I was describing is that like pilgrimage and this journey back and this returning back and just allowing myself to be free. I make like really good decisions when I feel free and mm-hmm. I, and I'm a better person when I feel free. And so um, that's, that's kind of how it started. It was like, through those connections and going back to these soft skills and the fact that I'm a person who asks questions and I'm a person who like wants to get to know people. And I want to understand like what you find interesting, what's valuable to you, like all these different things that like in my intro a little bit, like I alluded to where, or like said, where it's just like, I see so much value and, and like, preciousness and in so much of like what everything is and so along that process it was like I met I met Shira who works at Wonder Media Network and so that was actually Mm -hmm. like my first contract job like officially for my business that was my first contract job that all started because I was willing to just like send an email and chat with her and like when I was like I happened to be in New York because um, I'd originally, I think, sent that email from my work email. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went, I made sure to follow up because I'd had a, a call scheduled. Like, and then it was like, I will actually be in New York in the next few weeks. So let's connect. Like, let's meet up. Okay. One more important PSA. Here's my challenge for you. Take a screenshot right now of this episode and share on social media with a tag to Podgerland and the guest. I want to know that you're listening and I want to shout you out. Also, are you signed up for Podgerland's email list yet? Because as much as I love social media and connecting through there, I'm also preparing for its demise and I want to make sure that I stay in touch with you and we have control over our communication. Not only will you get important updates about this show, you'll get recommendations of other women-hosted podcasts, news related to podcasters you love, discounts on my cute-ass merch, and much more. Okay, let's get back into this interview. So I want to ask you about Strong Black Lead. And specifically, I am curious what, you know, just like one of your favorite gets was and like what that process was like. That's actually really hard. I don't know how to do that. (laughs) I don't know how to answer that. Because like, like, I feel like every single one of those guests brought a different thing to the podcast. Mm -hmm. And so it just like feels, it feels too hard to choose. Okay. Because like, in terms of get... A lot of it is making sure the opportunity aligns for what they want and like what their brand is. And so it's like, of course, like a comedian is going to want 
to be positioned on a season of like something called Strong Black Woman because it's talking about like the legacy of comedy and it's talking about their career as comedians, like talking about like the technical skills that they bring and like yeah. um, the heart, like the heart and the passion and the drive. That was actually a really hard season to book. Why? Only because like um, comedians, like if you think about their schedule, yeah, they work nights and weekends. And so if you are trying to put together shoots that are primarily going to be on the weekend, they are, they're, they're working. Right. And like, especially in the summertime, which is when we are, we were originally booking it. That's like when they're on tour. And so like, for instance, like Lunell, she had like a residency in Vegas and she was doing comedy at like every weekend in Vegas. And it was just, it was hard to coordinate like that particular, like the way those schedules lined up. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not to say that it, the desire wasn't there. And so I think that's the other misconception. A lot of people think is that like when, when we reach out to talent, they sometimes think like, Oh, like this person never reached out. And like, there are the times I'm sure that someone didn't reach out, but most of the time, like it's, it's just a matter of like what aligns with their schedule or what aligns with timing. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So, and especially for something that's not necessarily tied to like a promotion cycle. Cause like, think about yourself as a person. And there are just sometimes when you just like, are like, Hey, I'm, I'm on vacation right now. Or like, I'm taking the downtime or it's like, I want to spend time with my kids. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they don't want to do it. It's just that like, people are allowed to be humans and like take that time to rest and like, you know, take that time to, to not work. And so that was, that was like a, I just want to say that piece, but it was really hard to choose what was like my best or favorite get. But I will say that like, I think one of my most challenging, but also most rewarding was when we did the UPN announcement that came out last year that like talked about that whole lineup of like 90s sitcoms that was coming, like the 90s UPN sitcoms that were coming to Netflix. Those casts are grand, they're large, and like they mean so much to all of us. And I was like, holy, like, holy shit. <laughs> there are just so many people. Um, and it was like early pandemic times. And it was also literally at the same time that we had hit that flashpoint and there were protests everywhere and it was a lot right and it's a lot to ask of people and even now still like thinking about like how where we all are personally in like whether it's grief or if it's it's like this is just a traumatic time yeah um but I will say that that was probably one of my like favorites in terms of like the final product because it brought so much so much joy so that I think was also just like Mm -hmm. overall really rewarding no I think that's perfect I think that that honestly is what I was most curious about in that question because I mean there's so many people that it would be exciting to get or that you know for all different types of reasons equally exciting but those ones that just the process of getting is so like specific and stands out that's what I'm always I'm always curious about a lot of what you said I think is 
like invaluable advice for people who are trying to either do any type of like producing for shows, for podcasts, for, you know, theater things like any of that. I think the, the approach that you laid out is so helpful. And I have to ask, because I think that this is something I definitely deal with, um, in terms of the way that you're framing your emails have, did you ever have to like reconcile with that kind of battle between wanting to be really uh, kind and accommodating, but also like wanting to be able to phrase your emails in the way that quote unquote men do, or you do know what I mean? Like, I feel like I struggle with that and I'm like, Oh, I should just be more direct, but I also want to be nice. But I'm like, and then I'm in this like, battle of like womanhood and society and I'm like just send the fucking email like I'm like you know like I'm like I don't need to be like struggling with this email so hard so I I struggle like so I it is a necessary struggle and I will say this because yeah you're you ultimately want to communicate as clearly as possible what it is that you're asking you want or whatever. So within that, like your initial like pitch might be long as hell. Yeah. Because it has to include all the information. But like include include highlights, include bold sections, include include the like include the necessary information that they can use to like make the ultimate decision in a way that just feels clear. Yeah. In your follow-ups, like also lead with kindness like it's not I hate that we all have to like think so so much about it mm-hmm. and like and the thing is like even listening to me now you hear me say like and you hear me say like oh right. or like like I probably have like a vocal fry in certain sections <laughs> and I probably say things a little weird linguistics taught me a lot of stuff and I realized that I have a very interesting way of speech for so many different reasons <laughs> I took a voice and diction class and also realized again so many different reasons why I sound the way I sound but the finer point is does your does your email come across like if you were to step back from your email does your email come across as kind like does it like I don't know going back to like making demands of like people's time and stuff Mm -hmm. like there are times when you should like when you can move into the space of I need this by but I usually frame things in more of like a, a question because like, I also want to allow the dialogue to happen, mm. but I also, yeah. Cause it's ultimately all of this is a negotiation for someone's time. Right. Yeah. And so when you come into no- negotiation, you don't come in and just be like, this is it. And that's <laughs> final. And like, maybe you do, I don't know. That's not successful for me, right. but maybe that's because I'm a black woman and that's just, that's just not how life works. I have found that it is so much better received when it becomes like a a back and forth. It becomes a dialogue and it becomes an understanding of like what the ultimate goals are, because that's the only way people make decisions. It's like, Mm -hmm. you need to have, you need to be armed with enough knowledge to know what that next thing is and what, like why this matters, why it's important and why do I want to because ultimately like their teams are like part of their job is to make the most valuable use of their time mm-hmm. in competition with their families and mm-hmm. their livelihoods and their personal 
passions that we don't even know about. Because again, going back, everybody has a private piece of themselves that like they might not share with the world. You have no idea that like maybe on the side, this person is actually like making the best metal works that have (laughs) ever been created and they are actually being hung up in galleries under an entirely different name and it takes like them a whole year to complete something because that's something that's just just for them perhaps their team knows that and they're they're here trying to like evaluate okay what actually fits in this person's Mm -hmm. schedule like does this make sense for them and so that's why I say like you come to these things with a dialogue you also acknowledge that you will be rejected yeah. Like I've gotten so many passes or just silenced and that's also fine because yeah. that is, that's just part of it. Right. Actually, this job taught me how to deal with rejection better. It's not personal. And I like had mm-hmm. to remember that it's not personal. Like you just have to pivot to what makes the most sense. And that yeah. is so much a part of being a producer. Yeah. Cause you're, you're, you might have an angle for the show and you might have the conversation that you want, have, but then the person gets in the chair and they're just like, that's not like they give you something else. Yeah. And so you're just like, all right, cool. Like let me find within that something else, like how it still makes sense and how it still can feel grounded to the story that I wanted to tell. And that's fine. And maybe if that just means scrapping the story that you wanted to tell and just be like, I'm gonna go with this story mm-hmm. and like confidently go with that story. That's fine too. Yes, you should always think about the words that you're saying. You should always think about how they're going to be received. But like, don't overthink it so much that now you're standing in your own way of sending that email. And like, I have sent, I have sent things with like uh, spelling mistakes or like missing sections. Or I'm like, hey, this is attached. Just kidding. Like, (laughs) and that's like sometimes that is what it is because like we're human and like we make mistakes. We're not like machines and even machines make mistakes because they were programmed by humans because we make mistakes. So mm, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Okay. So <laughs> we got, we actually got to uh, like get into some of the production talk and I, a lot of what you're saying, I'm sure overlaps with that. But before we get to these final questions, I just want to give space to talk about therapy for black girls a little bit. And so part of what you've mentioned so far, is that everything that you're also doing for therapy for black girls, or is there another piece that we've yet to talk about that you're also doing as producer for that show? One of the things for therapy for black girls is for me, it is the, I guess, most traditional like podcast producer role it has been amazing to work on something that just feels so near and true yeah to to my heart to my being to my everything yeah while not losing sight of the fact that like a lot of what I aim to create and what I feel like Dr. Joy has like really really aimed to create is to create a space and create a lane where Black women can can be so many more things and can talk about so many more things and bring those things to their like jobs, their homes, their family, like everything. And it's also just been great to work for someone who like has your personhood in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for like, sure. As a, as a boss and like as a, as a leader. And so in terms of like booking, it is a different process because 
it's a lot of like investigative booking because mm. I feel like what I do for like strong black lead is primarily a lot of booking for like bigger talent and like talent that's like established. And I feel like for therapy for black girls, I like exercise an entirely different muscle that is like finding and unearthing in gems or gems that like you didn't think existed. So like mm-hmm. one of the, like one of the sets of episodes that I, <laughs> that took me a while. Cause I, I had originally pitched it, um, at like the top of the of like la- of last year's pandemic, so like in okay. April, because I was like, all of a sudden everybody's buying plants, myself included. What is happening? <laughs> and so I pictures. was like, yeah, yeah, girl. I <laughs> I have become such a plant person. It's it's wild. <laughs> so with that particular episode, it was so hard to find like nature therapists hmm. or like like especially like black women or black people doing nature like practicing nature therapy in some capacity mm-hmm. and like I kept googling I found like the horticultural society but like I needed like a I needed a special login to get in and then I was like okay maybe if I like write them like all these different things I say all this to say that it was like a lot, a lot of unearthing. And I was just like, I'm just determined. So like in my little off time, I'm just like, just see if it will be provided. Yeah. Twitter did it. So there was like a black botany week, I think. Mm. And so I found that hashtag. I was like going through it and kind of just like creeping. And then I was like, maybe some of these botanists, like if I find someone who seems friendly enough and I can like contact them and see if they like know somebody but then I think I replied to someone and then they like connected me to um Beth Collier who does in the UK who does Wild in the City oh, cool. and so I was like oh amazing so I like found her but like by finding her and learning like all the different terms that this can be housed under I was able to find like another person who was practicing nature therapy but in a different capacity out in land and then I also was able to find someone who was doing like similar work but from like a like a traditional medicine perspective and like by finding all three of those perspectives I was able to make like find and create something that I hadn't expected yeah and so like that I think is a different booking skill set that like I feel like um like working on therapy for black girls allows me to do because it, mm-hmm. it it gets to like foster a lot of that curiosity in a different way yeah. um, while bringing it from like maybe a point that doesn't feel accessible on its on its face and bringing it to like a general consumer and an audience who can get excited with me hopefully yeah. like hopefully you guys liked it I don't know it was different it was like an <laughs> experimental thing it was like done in two parts it was done in like multi-perspective and and hopefully I was like at the end of it I hope people like yeah it. and um and I love being able to like do more things like that and uh-huh. having the creative license to be like oh this is like what I want to do and like also having the support as long yeah. as it still fits in the universe of things yeah. Um, because I'm also very precious about that aspect that I yeah. don't want to like jump the shark and now nothing makes sense. 
Right, right. I haven't listened to those two episodes, but now I definitely want to. I'm like very fascinated by what you found out. I was listening to the 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 recent one about uh, CPTSD today, and yeah, that was also I, another really good one. Yeah, it nice. was. I know. I mean, I I have PTSD, but whenever I listen to things about CPTSD, I'm like. So how do I know which one I actually have? But like, I, so it's a really helpful episode. And yeah, and I thought so too. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's it's such an important one, but I also just, I liked her as a speaker. Like I, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was really well done. Um, but I also was smiling while you were talking about this because I was thinking back to your conversation about like the webs and how all... Yes. All, all of that <laughs> comes together. And I also was like, see, this is, this is like the library research, but where and when you want to be doing it, which makes all the difference. <laughs> exactly. Like, I love it. Like, I nerd out and I, and like, I also love academics who mm-hmm. remember that you're ultimately making this for people. But I think there's something to be said for people who can take really complex things and bring it down to a like very accessible level and like articulate it well. Because like sometimes I struggle for words and I don't know how to articulate something. And there are so many people doing amazing work who are just who just have such a beautiful way of putting things together mm-hmm. and like saying thoughts that might be in my brain. Things sometimes get really difficult to untangle. Yeah. Coupled with the fact that at least for me, I don't know if it has a term. I I feel like my brain doesn't always think in words. Mm. And so I think there is a term for that. I don't know what it is. Sorry. That was like really unhelpful. Somebody <laughs> tell me. Somebody somebody honestly after you hear this tell me. Um because it's and, but even knowing that, right, you see how excited I got. I was like, oh yeah. my God, there's something that like can help me because it's like, it sometimes feels like I'm translating from like, um, it, like an image-ish mm-hmm. <laughs> to words. Yeah. And so sometimes that breakdown just happens where I'm just like, I can't, I can't do it. Like my brain is telling me that it's like, both like sounds, colors, and like whatever it has decided this picture is. Yeah. And it's like feeling and sentiment is sensation. And I don't know what the output is. I can't tell you. I don't know what it is. And like now I'm just gonna just be quiet <laughs> <laughs> or ramble, ramble until you just like, okay, you just need to stop. <laughs> um, and that's, that's fine. And, but that's yeah. why I appreciate the people who, have a way of just like putting it together right because I think that like that's why so many of us can be creators and so many of us can like be artists in all these different ways is because we're all translating something or we're all expressing something and somebody out there is going to feel seen feel heard feel feel known through Mm -hmm what you're saying or, or what you're, you're expressing, you're creating, you're doing. And I think that's beautiful. That's part of it. That's part of this like human collectiveness. And <laughs> yeah, I just fucking love it. Okay. Oh, I love it. Okay. I mean, what you just said is, is 
in part how I try to explain what I'm doing with Padreland. So I totally connect to that because I'm like, I just hope that like the recommendations I'm making and things like that are just either teaching someone something or having someone feel understood or seen or like everything you were just saying. And I was like, mm-hmm. yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> okay. So we've reached the final three rapid fire questions. And first question is who would you name as like a podcast mentor or someone you just like emulate and love what they're doing in the space? I guess it's going to have to go to Barry then. Mm-hmm. That's the person that came to me immediately because that that was also when we met for the first time at Work It in mm-hmm. 2019. No, oh, 2018. Shit. oh, I don't know. When, 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 whenever was... they were last in LA. Yeah, 2019. <laughs> so whenever they were last in LA. Yeah. Yeah. So when they were last in LA, we met. That that was when I was like, ah. There's like somebody else who's like behind it and only like only really thinking about like the marketing and the audience perspective and yeah. doesn't necessarily want to be a host because it's in so many podcast spaces and like I just feel like people are like oh like are you do you have your own podcast? I was like no, and you, you don't, don't need to. Like, yeah, don't. yeah. Um, and then they're like oh like have you thought about starting one? I was like not the one that you want me to start. Like. <laughs> Like being perfectly honest because they're like, oh, like it would be so great for like a marketing podcast. And I was like, somebody else can do it. It's not to say that I don't like talking about marketing and I don't like, like thinking about all those things. It's just that in terms of a podcast, like that's not the additional base that my brain, like my brain doesn't want to do that additionally. Um, Cause I mean, take a look at my social media. It's what it, what is it? What is it? I enjoy but, like, your social I, media. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Yeah. But it's like, but I have, I have worked on like work behind the scenes of like creators that are like huge and like right. branding is like impeccable. And, and like the, like all of the technical tools that you can leverage with each platform are being utilized properly. Then you go <laughs> to mine and it's like, okay, that's not a sentence. Like where <laughs> there are no hashtags. Like where's the end of this story? Like most, I feel like a lot of social media managers have the most chaotic and like strange, like like, low number, like social, because we like put so much into growing these other things because that's, that's kind of where our like, I don't know, like excitement. Yeah. (laughs) Like lives. So thank God for that. Like thank God for the people who want to be behind the scenes. 100%. It's so necessary for everything else to function, you know? Um, Okay. Second question. What podcasts would we find in your queue when you have podcasts in there to listen to? Ooh, okay. Um, this is so hard because obviously the podcasts that are, are always in my queue are the ones that I, I work on. So like Therapy for Black Girls is on there. Uh, okay, Now Listen is on there. Um, when it was running Strong Black Lead, we've got back at you I don't work on that but like love, love that podcast issue. yeah um what else we got we've got scam goddess because who doesn't love a good scam nice. yeah um <laughs> we've got well when it was running California love most okay. recently the Chippendales podcast because, oh like, I, I heard CD underbelly is another podcast genre that I'm like really a fan <laughs> of um 
Oh, and then I have one called, it's called Alone at Lunch. Okay. Um, and it's like a comedy podcast, but also like exploration of like times in your life where you've like been the odd person out mm. and like not, and like how you kind of like overcame that and like what that informed for yourself. So that's cool. like a little fun one, like indie podcasts. I went to high school with one of the hosts. Oh, cool. Shout out to Carly Maldick. Um, <laughs> but I can continue just listing them. Okay. But like. We'll stick with those ones for now. I mean, we'll just stick with these ones for now. It's, it's <laughs> always. I feel like people are just like, what are these people talking about? I know. <laughs> but that's the fun about podcasts. They're literally podcasts for every single interest that you have. Just like go find them. I know. I know. Oh my God. I could go on a whole tangent on this tweet. I thought I saw it with this guy who was like podcasts are just people saying exactly what you already think or something else but I was like clearly you don't know how to look for podcasts Uh, (laughs) I was so mad when I saw that okay anyway um back to you so final question is where can people find you and how can they support what you are doing okay um you can find me um at my website essenceofsin.com you can also find me at essenceofsin on instagram and twitter um, I also have a Facebook page, but like, honestly, I never really look at it. <laughs> yeah, um, I feel you. you can also find me on LinkedIn and that I also periodically don't look at. But if you want to <laughs> like really find me, like you should just find me on Twitter or Instagram. Cool. Um, I occasionally pop into things on Clubhouse, but like not as much because it just takes a lot of like time. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I just need to like move through my day and I'm also on TikTok but again those TikToks are not necessarily about marketing and sometimes they're about plants or I just I just lurk like and support well we do got to wrap up but thank you so much for your time this is so fun I loved having you on to chat yeah so fun and I'm so glad that you reached out and I've been able to take up so much of your time and <laughs> and hopefully impart some type of wisdom oh my god yeah there was perspective to people i learned a lot even in this conversation so yeah, yeah i'm like i'm so not used to being on this side of the, <laughs> the mic so our original music is produced by carrie blue and everything else is produced by me, myself, and I, Miss Alexandra Cole. And you can follow me on Instagram at Podraland, P-O-D dot D-R-A-L-A-N-D, or Twitter at Podraland, minus the period. And you can find more of what I do on Podraland at www.podraland.com, where I recommend women-hosted podcasts and feature indie women podcasters. So I hope to see you there. Feel free to subscribe to the newsletter. You'll get recommendations and updates about this podcast. And finally, make sure to share this episode, tag us in it, like that shit, give us a review. Anything you do helps not just this podcast get more exposure, but also helps these women's voices be heard by way more people. And ultimately, that's our goal. So let's fucking do it.